two best friends talking about their favorite titles. Spencer. Spencer. And Aaron. And Aaron. And Sam, Sam. Sam, Sam. The tech man. The tech man. It's Misfits. It's Misfits. On vinyl. On vinyl. For me. Fuck, 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 Mellencamp. Oh, you got all that? Wonderful, wonderful. Dude, we gotta we gotta send that to the Vitos as like a cover. Official official cover. Official cover. Oh, dude. Nailed it again. I got Dude, the timing down finally. Nailed it again. Woo! All right. Pressure Hello, was on. Welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year, everybody. My Happy name New is Year. Spencer Strikert. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your hosts. My name is Aaron. I'm also one of your hosts. Aaron is also an actor. I sure am. He sure is. Actually, uh, it's interesting because <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be an episode where you're gonna be gone because you're gonna be away filming the Jon Snow sequel series. Yeah, I with have HBO. I have a really um, important shoot coming up. It's a scene in the new series where I go ice fishing with my girlfriend and a couple of her friends from school. Uh, so. There is White Walkers there. Though. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. Yeah. That's... If you don't know, Aaron is playing a wildling in the new series. No, I'm playing John Snow. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, John Snow Glove. You already know that. You already know that. No, uh, I will be MIA on an episode. Unfortunately, I am pre-booked with a date. Sitting on a bench, looking at water and catching fish, but so. also drinking beer. Yes, yeah, you you will be drinking beer. The scene calls for it. Mm-hmm. It uh, and also you are a method actor. I will be. Yeah, I will be method acting the whole time. Yep. So um, it's gonna be a lot of effort for me. Uh, I'm gonna be really focused. I'm gonna be watching that rod, waiting for a nibble <laughs> with all the skills I have accumulated from my three years of university acting and you know countless productions I've been in. So uh, I, I know what one of your lines is already in the in the show. What are you a dragon girl? Because I'm dragging my dick on the snow. Okay, did you did you read the script? Like, did you hack my email? <laughs> Also, I thought you were going to say one of the lines is, oh, I caught a fish because <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, is going to happen. So we'll see. How depressing is it when you go fishing and you don't catch a fish? Really depressing. I hate that more <laughs> than anything. So that reminds me of this summer. Like, my parents moved to a lake and they have a house on a lake. And we were like, oh, like one of my coworkers is really into fishing. I was like, oh, yeah, like come fishing. Like they stock this lake with fish. There's so many fish. So he's like, okay, I'm coming. So we like, I woke up at like 630 in the morning. We went out to go fishing and we didn't even get a fucking nibble. Dude. Yeah, no, it was pretty depressing. Dude, that sucks. I hate because uh, like I haven't been fishing in a few years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last time I was fishing it was with an ex-girlfriend of mine who had never been fishing before. Nice. And I was like, this is the most fun. And then it was not the most fun. And mm. we just sat on the shore, and I I was honestly just doing all the fishing. And nice. uh, 
She was watching, which, uh, you know what? Maybe that's a reason the relationship didn't <laughs> I was work gonna, out. I was gonna say, did you bicker? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was doing all of the work. Nice. Um, mm. Yeah. What a metaphor. What a metaphor. <laughs> what a metaphor. Perfect metaphor for you that can't, relationship. You can't fish if you don't cast a line. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say throw a rod, but I was like, that's not, that would just be like javelining. You know what, uh, though? You could throw a rod in a relationship. Yeah. Into the yeah. spokes of it. Nice. And then just fall. Yeah. 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 Which, and then go, which, damn it, relationship. <laughs> I scrape my knee. I scrape my knee. <laughs> also a metaphor. Also uh, a metaphor. We're really good at metaphors. Yeah, this is what we learned from our therapists, is to make life a metaphor. metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> also, okay, so. Uh, yes. We do not have We're already drinking. any beer from our official, non-official sponsor of the podcast this week, this week because um, a certain member of the podcast... <laughs> maybe behind the camera. And maybe behind the camera... <laughs> Uh, almost forgot a memory card. Well, it, it, and then he consumed all the beer. And then he consumed out of shame, all the out beer of shame out of shame for forget, forgetting, almost forgetting the memory he card. He drove over three children at a crosswalk, yeah. too, on the way over <laughs> yeah. here. So this is probably the last episode that we have with Sam well, Sally Tech Man. <laughs> and he blew, through, he blew through three check stops, and the cops three. are actually waiting for him yeah. downstairs. It, but uh. you know what? It's okay, because I used my star power, and I was like, listen, officers, <laughs> I need a producer for this episode. Yeah. Because I've already set everything up, and we need somebody to press record. Otherwise, mm. we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, no, it's... <laughs> Sam, Sam, you press record, right? Yeah, you did press record, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you are seeing this, we are recording. We are recording. <laughs> we are recording. And if you're not seeing this, we've been talking for five minutes. Yeah, about, about nothing. nothing <laughs> about nothing, yeah. <laughs> Cue the song. Cue the song. Speaking of the song, uh, recorded by the Vitos, we should probably redo our outro at some point to include them in it. Yes. I keep forgetting about that. I also have to update the uh, the uh, 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 fo- uh, uh, text underneath all of our shit to include the Vitos nice. theme song because I forgot about that. One thing I like about our outro too is like I'm stroking your bunny like an evil villain. So mm-hmm. if we could do that again, that would that would be a lot of fun. We can do the two. Toothless one. Ooh, the yeah. toothless bunny. Ooh. Toothless bunnies are more evil. Well, they, also, don't, they don't nibble as much. No, they don't. They're, they're, they give you gummers. Mm. They're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you could pay good money for that. Dude, you really could. <laughs> it's, like those, uh, it's like those fish that you put your feet into to eat mm. off the dead skin. Yeah. It's like that, but they... Less, <laughs> less like that, I Less think. like that, because yeah, yeah. they, they more so just nibble on you yeah. all over. We were talking about the, the alcohol. We're oh yes, we're, yes, true. yeah. I thought you were going to uh, get back to that. Yeah, so we're we're drinking uh, we're drinking a, a gin drink. Mm-hmm. We're drinking uh, gin with uh, bubbly lemon water nice. and orange juice. Very nice. It's smooth. We're going to be next episode. We're going to be sponsored by orange juice, just in general. Yeah, <laughs> like the general category of orange juice. Dude, OJ's <laughs> got to get into podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're running an anti scurvy campaign. <laughs> we're the we're the faces of it. <laughs> we definitely do look like anti. Well, I kind of look like I might have yeah, scurvy at this point. Your beard, I, you're looking a little piratey. I got a I got a little bit of a beard. <laughs> I'm honestly trying to see how long I can grow it out for. Mm. Uh, but I do notice that when I turn sideways, it kind of looks like pubes. Nice, because it's not even right now. 
Mm. But it's long and bushy. I honestly am jealous because my beard doesn't grow very long. <laughs> it's incredibly patchy. I just get a little bit of a chin strap and a little bit of a mustache. So, But you know what? Your mustache could do better than mine because yours probably – you could probably do a, a, a does, handlebar. It does come down. Yeah. 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 Whereas I can't do a handlebar. I got this gap here and here. So what you're saying, if it was like 1975, I would have the best fucking mustache <laughs> in, in the city is what you're telling me. Dude, there has been a couple of times where you've had the best mustache Thank though you. Yeah. you 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 got good mustache game I, I like it when stuff gets caught up in it that's my favorite thing see i've been noticing that uh, now with my beard and mm. it's great when you have a snack for later yeah that is good i was eating pulled pork sandwiches the other day mm. this is before i shaved i just recently cleaned up but sarah was like you have pulled pork in between your mustache and your beard and i was like fucking amazing <laughs> it's like i didn't even know it was there okay i have a question for you yes. bush or no bush Ooh. I think I'm a Bushman. I'm a Bushman, like, too. Am I talking about myself, or am I talking about the, the woman? Uh, the, uh, uh, the partner. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a choose-your-own-adventure. Mm. I'm not that picky. I, I, I've, I've experienced both. Um, I just don't like the in-between stage where it gets you all bumpy. Yeah. yeah it starts to starts to scratch, so I'm a, a choose-your-own. I, uh, I, I, I'll say this. Uh, guys, no Bush. Women, Bush. Mm. But me, personally... My 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 dick area looks like your beard. So yeah, yeah there you go. I so. do have a dickhead. <laughs> nice. <you do. laughs> anyway, Spencer, how was your New Year's? Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, I I went to Cold Lake. Uh, nice. Did comedy with Dale Ward up there. Shout out Dale. Shout out Dale. Uh, and uh, I can confidently say I did not get us any listeners for the podcast while I was in Cold Lake. Um, <laughs> uh it was it, like honestly everything about the gig should have been good mm. like uh, the tickets were like high price you yeah. know it was uh, a smaller venue low ceiling like uh like it, it, the only thing was so there was uh three tables near the front that were nice. great they were listening the whole time never nice. talking just paying attention and then there was a table in the middle that was like kind of paying attention kind of not but i also mm. think they were old as shit so they were like what like at some points yeah, right nice. uh but then there was a 60 year old's birthday in one corner mm. and a table of rig pig coke heads in the other corner <laughs> and both tables would not shut the fuck up at mm. all and like th- there was a lot of times where they weren't speaking at the same time mm. but one of those tables was speaking at all times Nice. And then uh, at one point, they were both speaking so loudly that I turned to the audience and I said, can you please shut the fuck up so you can hear my jokes? (laughs) And they did. And then I got an audible fucking silence when I hit the punchline because they hadn't heard anything else in that. Well, one thing you learned is they take direction really they well. They took direction yeah. really well. Um, That's funny. It was it was rough. And then like my uh, my closer right now, like... It doesn't do great in small towns because I I talk about uh, basically losing faith in religion, right? And Mm. I talk about, uh, like, suicide, and and I have a few uh, other elements in the joke, right? It's a pretty layered joke, and I I, I love it as my closer because it's, like, five minutes where I have callbacks and misdirections and everything. Like, it's uh, – to toot my own horn, it's well-written, right? Mm -hmm. And I got to the second-to-last punchline in that joke, and somebody in the back yelled out, Oh, I actually liked that one. And I went, oh, no. And then I got to the last setup, and they hated it. And they went, oh, I don't like that. And then they all started talking again. And then I said my final punchline and got nothing. And I was like, 
Anyways, are you guys excited for your headliner? And I just brought up Dale. I was like, I fucking... You really tuned him up for Dale. Really just yeah, primed up that show. And then Spencer. Dale also had uh, to battle with that the mm. whole time. It mm. was kind of beautiful. But you know what? I like a show where we both die together. Nice. That's fun. If you're on a ship, everybody goes down. Everyone goes yeah. down. No, it feel, sucks yeah. when you're the person that, that derails it. Mm. But when you see everyone else also eating the shitty spoon of cereal, yeah. you go, oh, it's not that bad. It's not us. It really even though, Even us. though you, you, you poured the milk. I did pour the milk. Yeah, you were like, ah, let's like, all share it together. Let's all share it together. Come on, guys. <laughs> Are we here for a good laugh? And they were not. Um, uh, I feel for you, buddy. That that doesn't sound like a good way to ring in the new year. No, and it was really funny because like we got off stage at like 11, and by like 11.20, we were like, we're going to leave. <laughs> and the, the staff were like, oh, you don't want to stay to have a toast for the new year and i was like absolutely not <laughs> i was like not a chance in hell here's I, to never being in cold lake again never being in cold lake again <laughs> fuck i i next year mark my words vegas new year's that'd be nice it's happening that'd we're gonna nice. do a misfits live recording in vegas on new year's <laughs> next year and then we're gonna i'm gonna headline it and then we're gonna bring in the new year that if, we, way. if we don't if we don't make it to vegas we'll be in reno <laughs> or if we don't make it to reno we'll be in henderson Nevada. you know what <laughs> reno would actually probably be more fun i've been to reno reno is nice yeah yeah but i was also like young but i didn't see much outside of the hotel but it was pretty nice uh bill cosby used to have a uh, residency in reno oh well, that taints it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, well, I don't remember much about Reno. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> mm. But I'm not really his target audience. So, Okay, so uh, I guess one thing that we could... Uh, God damn it, Darren. That was good. I fucking missed that right away. Oh, that was a good one. Um, okay. Uh, he's going on tour this year. Oh, no. Yeah, he, it was recently announced. He's like, I'm going to go on tour, uh, uh, which is not going to be good. Uh, my question is, like, he'll probably sell out wherever he goes, but who is buying tickets to those shows at this point? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like I can understand people that are like, fuck cancel culture, but then it's like, at the same time, you're like... But that's not really... Bill Cosby's not really the hill to die on. No! And like, go see no. season Sorry or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't die on the hill for Bill Cosby. I cancel culture. That was crime. Yeah, that was yeah. crime. He yeah. was in jail. He was in prison for a couple of years. Like, I don't know. It, it, it would be funny, though, just because he's really funny looking now with his eye going all wild like so it would be funny just to go to have a laugh at him like you, Dude, know? you could actually throw shit at him oh probably he's too old to avoid it i thought about this because i was talking with dale about it in the car i'm like i i i fielded the question okay if he asked you to open for him would you do it <laughs> and like here's my thought moral and this, dilemma here this is this is where like <laughs> i i would probably okay so this is what i would do i would do my material yeah. as I do, which would not be for a Cosby so, crowd. So you are gonna you're gonna open No no no, but listen, listen. I would do my material, you right? Shameless fame <laughs> No 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 Listen. Listen Shame. Listen. You're not you're you're missing out the part uh -huh, that okay. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I would do my material, uh -huh. but then when I would introduce him, I would say 
You know him as America's dad and the greatest rapist in comedy. Please make some noise for Bill Cosby. And then he would probably lose his shit and actually start swearing on stage. The good thing is he moves pretty slow, so you got at least a 20-minute head start to get out of there. So... You can say it and run, you know? Dude, I, I, I wonder what names Bill Cosby would call me. I don't know, but that'd be good training for your marathon. It really would. It would be amazing training for the marathon. Anyways. Anyways. Anywho. On Misfits on Vinyl. Yes. We always. 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 Discuss an album. We sure do. And we go into a deep dive on said album. We definitely go deep. Sometimes it's a, a popular album. Yes. Sometimes it's an album that we really love. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like today, it's both of those things coming together. Yes. So this episode, we're going to be reviewing Bon Iver's For Emma Forever Ago. That sounded like something that would be in this, on this album. Background vocals. I'm Someday <laughs> name can you do three three name three consecutive lines from the album. This is bringing to something we're gonna talk about later. Go find another lover. Nice to bring up to string along. Nice before you're gone. Nice perform the parable. That's pretty good. Okay, so I got three. That's pretty good. And then the next line is. Funny as you go Forever Forever <laughs> Nice <laughs> Nice I'm uh I'm actually really looking forward to this one. This is an album I know we both have a connection with. But yeah. It's a fun one to do. This is also one that uh you introduced me to. Mm-hmm. I knew Skinny Love, uh, like from the album. Yeah. But I knew the birdie cover version of it because mm-hmm. that was the one that got so much fucking airplay yeah, everywhere. Popular, yeah. Very popular. Um, I'm really excited to to talk about this album because, yeah, like you said, we both have personal connections to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you had introduced me to me uh, at a great time when I was going through, like, a breakup. Mm-hmm. And then I connected with it a fuck ton. Uh, and I became a, a Bon Iver stan <laughs> at that at that moment. I, I am a very big fan. Like, I listened to this album when I was younger. It wouldn't have been when it first came out, but a couple years after. I f- re- first got into the Bon Iver, Bon Iver when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then I got into this album. And then I was really, really into his 2016, 22 Million. Like, yeah. It's in one of my top albums of all time. I, uh, I was going to say, the other thing that's cool about Bon Iver, Bon Iver is that Wisconsin on that album mm-hmm. was actually a bonus track on For Emma Forever Ago. Nice. So that's a cool little connection. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, he wrote a song about Calgary. Well, it's called Calgary. Yeah. Um, and that album is cool, too, because, I mean, some of them are – his albums are all a little bit concepty. But that one, when he was just on tour and he was writing about places that gave him inspiration, all the titles are places or, like, you know, describing something in the place. Um, and, yeah, he wrote all those songs – about places he was inspired by. And I actually saw, I've seen him once in Calgary um, on the 22 million tour. And then I saw him in Toronto as well in 2019. So I'm a, I'm a big, big fan. But he also about Calgary. This is a cool thing. That's a connection with us. Like not specifically, but as a city. Yeah. Um, because we were one of, because we have X92.9 and CJSW, and they had started playing uh, For Emma Forever Ago, like songs from it. Nice. So we were one of the 
uh, markets that actually gave him airplay, mm-hmm. which is super fucking cool. It was strange, too. The two times I saw him, so when I first saw him, I saw him at the Stampede Corral, mm. which I think sits about like five to 7,000, if I remember correctly. And then I saw him at, um, I guess it's, what is it called in Toronto? What it used to be called... Um, I think it's Scotiabank Arena now, but it's yeah. Air Canada Center. Yeah. So I saw him there in a big arena, um, and the light show was crazy. And I was second row at the one in Calgary, and it was fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah, I took, I, some, took some gummy bears and had a really good time. I, I cried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I cried. Dude, yeah. I uh, 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 speaking of crying, because uh, this is like more of our connection with Bonnie Bear. <laughs> it's with the Holocene, though. Yeah, it was yeah. so fucking funny. So we, we uh, uh, on my uh, 23rd birthday, Yes. When we were in Toronto, we were living together. We were living together, and uh, a, a dear friend of mine had given us uh, uh, an illicit substance. Yes, it rhymes with ecstasy, ecstasy, <laughs> or or memdi meme. You know, yes. it, it, it rhymes with that. It rhymes with that. Yeah, precisely. So. <laughs> <laughs> He gave us though uh, 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 three uh, uh, doses of this uh, yes. uh, m- ecstasy, MDMA, MDMA, <laughs> and uh, this person that was with us, who I was not friends with, and who I actually really disliked, but was there on my birthday. Yeah, uh, he also wanted to take one of them. So it was Aaron and myself and this person, and that person had never done any drugs before. <laughs> and they were a wreck, and we had to babysit said fuckhead on my birthday. Yeah. Which honestly kind of pissed me off and but, annoyed me. But to be fair, I had a really great time. I had a I still, great time. I still think about that night because, well, first of all, we went to the baseball game in the day, yep. which was awesome. That was so much fun. And we were like, oh, we need to acquire an illicit <laughs> substance for tonight uh, while we were at the baseball game. So we talked to one of my friends who works at a major video game studio. Yeah, he was in a crunch crunch time for a major video game. Major video and, game. And uh, he, he happened to have an abundance of illicit substances. An abundance substances of illicit substances. That was keeping him going day to day. Yup. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> it was it was a blast. We went to a cool bar. It that was, had bras hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it had a couple different stories. They were playing 80s music. Yep. Which, if you don't know, by this far into the podcast, my favorite type of music to just fucking put on. Mm-hmm. We oh. danced hard. Oh my god! And then we took the subway home. We got McDonald's. Yeah, it was strange eating McDonald's when you're all like in your head, a little spaced out. You're like, "Ooh, this doesn't taste like food." Yeah, <laughs> um, my, my it's like great you... fish was very weird. Yeah, which was also weird. You ordered filet fish. Like the the only time people order filet fish is when they're on the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like... <laughs> but so we get into the apartment and we start listening to. Uh, uh, Bon Iver, Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, we were like, oh, it's going to be amazing when Calgary comes on. It's going to be so beautiful. Yeah. We got three songs in and we had to shut the fucking thing off because all three of us on, on uh, Mexicy were crying <laughs> yeah, our eyes we were out. Our eyes we were out. just like, oh, it's so powerful. It was also funny about that, though. We were bawling our eyes out while we were playing Mario Kart listening to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we were also playing Mario Kart at the same time. But oh. yeah, that's that is one of the stories I think about a lot because it's like very very funny. Yeah. It's so funny. But to this album, to this album. So let's, uh, let's give it. A, I wrote a lot for this today. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so this one, uh, this one's gonna be interesting because it's the first one where we both did uh, mm-hmm. uh, research on this it. This is a and combined. This is a combined from, from script. Wikipedia. <laughs> from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. From Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> I uh, saw what you were copying, and you saw what I was. 
copying and pasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like when I saw Aaron uh, type in hi, Spencer, and it was right when I uh, clicked paste. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Caught you red-handed. Caught me red-handed. All right. So uh, Forever Forever Ago is the debut album from American indie folk band Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. It was self-released in July of 27 and then later re-released on the Jag Jaguar label. Jag Jaguar. Jag Jaguar label in February of 2008. The album is principally the work of singer-songwriter Justin Vernon. Uh, the album was recorded between late 2006 and early 2007. I was in grade six. Nice. Uh, Vernon abandoned his old songwriting method and instead chose to focus on wordless melodies that he later set words to, which he felt evoked a more subconscious meaning. It's very true because when you listen to it, like, uh, like you know, uh, our, both of us have the same criticism for the album, but I think that the 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 thing that's beautiful about it is that it's almost like poetry, yeah. where you don't actually have to be fucking act like you can get the emotion out of it without actively it's, listening. It's to every haunting, word. which is something he kind of does with a lot of his songs. It's like you can't. Not all the lyrics are cohesive, or the lyrics you can understand them, but the emotion that he has through his voice and through the melodies he's singing gets the point across anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, something unique about him um, that I think comes across. Like that was the purpose of why he was doing it. And it came across in, in this album. So, Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and speaking of the lyrics, they uh, include subjects like lost love and longing for the past and life's mediocrity, mediocity, Mediocrity. Mediocrity. Nice. Man, I am an idiocrity. Um, (laughs) uh, Nice. (laughs) uh, Emma, okay, so the title of the album, uh, Emma, is the middle name of Nicole Jensen, who was Vernon's ex-girlfriend from college, and she was a saxophonist in his bands, Mount Vernon, and his self-described first love. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he clarified that although her middle name, Emma, is uh, uh, is used in the title, it's more of a metaphor for closing out this chapter of his life. Emma isn't a person. Emma is a place that you get stuck in. Emma's a pain that you can't release. Maybe that's probably why it's so connecting to, like, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, his folk-infused songs include heavy choral arrangements featuring Je- uh, Vernon's falsetto and horns, and he also used autotune and vocal layering to further manipulate his voice. Uh, he took lyrical inspiration from podcast uh, favorite Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to tell stories in his song, and he recorded it primarily on an old model Macintosh computer with Pro Tools LE. Now, I want to actually bring something up that I found out about this album today, yes. and I didn't have a chance to put it in the dock. The guitar that he used on this album. He found a guitar on eBay, mm-hmm. And it was uh, this lady in Texas. It was her husband, her dead husband's guitar. Yeah. It was from the 60s. It's like 64. Yeah. Yeah, I read and, about this And as well. it was an old Sears guitar. It wasn't even like a fancy one. And he liked it because he knew that it was going to sound like different. And yeah. then when he started playing it, he liked that it sounded brittle. So he didn't even fuck with the strings. He just tightened them. So that's one thing I, I put in later on in the little bit. But um, he traded venison meat to fix that guitar really yeah yeah while he was living in the cabin which we'll get to shortly after this but yeah he uh he traded some venison meat to get some work done on the guitar that is so fucking cool yeah yeah that is really cool yeah that's that's one of those things that makes you think like how much love was put into this album Mm -hmm. like this is this is realistically this could have been a passion project that nobody else heard of okay you you would think it to be that way but he doesn't feel that way. 
Really? Um, yeah, I put a couple quotes later on. Like, we'll keep reading through and you'll get to it. But he didn't feel like any artistic catharsis is what he said, like leaving the album. He said he felt like he just fucked around with a laptop for a couple months and he didn't even want to release it. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, he didn't really have a uh, any strong feelings about it um, at the time. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll get, I guess we'll get to it. Uh, yeah. We'll get to the last little bit of the info about the album. And then I wrote quite a bit about the background of it. So, yeah. So the, the album, uh, the inspirations for the album were the Vienna Boys Choir, Appalachian Folk, the Staple Singers, uh, Mahalia Jackson, and Sam Cooke. Now, Sam Cooke, as soon as I read that, it made a, a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, And it was one of those things that I wouldn't have noticed unless I had seen it. Yeah. But as soon as I saw that, the, the connection just made a, made so much sense. And those are, those are the ones that he cited himself. Yeah. Um, in an interview, he talked about that. I want to love you, but I want you. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like I'm always thinking of you. Oh, oh, oh. Darling, you send me. You know that one? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's good. It's good. (laughs) Darling, you do. It's very good. Okay, let's get into the album background. That's what my grandpa does all the time. He walks around his house and he's like, Making some eggs. Making some toast. Hot cakes coming off the stove. I do. I do, I do, do, do. And he does this thing with his fingers where he waves them up. Did I take my medication? (laughs) And somehow I'm still alive. Do, do, do. I'm 85. My blood pressure is high. Do, 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 do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love my grandpa. He's a good egg. Shout out to Spencer's grandpa. Shout out to Grandpa Turner. Good, Good old Grandpa Turner. All right, so leading up to the recording of this album... Uh, Vernon's life had gone into a downward spiral, leaving him depressed, empty, and lacking motivation. He was living in Raleigh, North Carolina, making music with his band, DeYarmond Edison. Uh, Over the course of his time in Raleigh, he became frustrated with his songwriting as well as his personal life. He worked at a local sandwich shop and felt his life was wasting away. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can definitely understand that. Uh, I recently quit my job because I felt like uh, my life might get killed, not just wasting away. And you weren't even a sandwich artist. And I wasn't even a sandwich artist. (laughs) He was a a sandwich artist. Uh, He started to have health problems. He first contacted pneumonia, then uh, mono. And then he developed a liver infection that kept him bedridden for three months. The liver infection being uh, uh, caused by hepatitis, if I am not mistaken, Uh, which is fucking horrific. That sucks. Uh, He lost most of his money playing online poker while bedridden, (laughs) which is insane to me. It's very depressing, dude. Like, he's, like, fucking, like, really in the dumps. Is this fucking guy my dad? Like, (laughs) Jesus (laughs) Christ. (laughs) Yeah, well, he sings about it on Stacks about, he's like, uh, well, it's very long winter, but he's like, another 200. (laughs) I put down down another 200. (laughs) Uh, Fuck, that's so funny. Oh, God. Ah, Fucking gambling. your money. He's gone. <laughs> drunk as hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so members of his band began to fight, and Vernon was kicked out of the group. Many of his bands uh, had had similar members, 
Uh, some he had known since his adolescence, which amplified the pain of breaking apart. So, yeah, he was in multiple bands with, like, a lot of the same people, mm-hmm. and they all broke up at the same time. I've yeah. wondered about that because in the Calgary scene, there's a lot of bands that have yeah. the exact same lineups. So he, like, had a big kick in the dick. Like, he, he's got a liver infection, he lost all of his money, Oof. and then he's getting kicked out of the bands. And he's, like, fucking making turkey BLTs. Oh, he's, God. like, really struggling, the poor man. Yeah. Dude, and, like, honestly, like, like how depressing is it when all of that is happening and you're spreading mayo on a piece of bread for someone else? <laughs> like, imagine you're just thinking about it. You're like, fuck, this is fucking... Like, <laughs> like, do you want mustard? Fuck, fuck, fuck. I wanted this toasted. <laughs> fuck! <laughs> should have folded. It should have folded. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? <laughs> Technically, he did fold. Yes. Because then 25, he felt his life had spiraled into mediocrity and uh as though he had lost a sense of purpose and had had ha- uh he lost the sense of purpose he had half a decade prior. He sensed he had compromised with uh bandmates and in his personal life. His depression was fueled by indifference and the and then he decided to get away from Rally and return to his hometown. He broke up with his then-girlfriend, Christy Smith, and tossed his recording equipment into the truck of his car. He drove home to Eau Claire. I didn't know he was in Calgary. Uh, <laughs> Eau, Claire, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It would be more depressing if he was in Eau Claire, Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> the worst mall. Ah, fun fact, Sam used to work there. Really? Yeah, we used to meet up and go see movies. Oh, right, because you worked outside of there. Yeah, I yeah. worked at the ice cream shop. You and bet. I, I worked in the park there. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. We, all, we all have a connection to we Eau Claire. We all a connection to Eau Claire. I've seen a couple of movies that was in premiere there. Nice. Yeah, that was fun. Uh it's a good movie theater. Yeah, it's a good movie it's, theater. It's straight out of 1995. It really is. You, and, know, it's uh, a good, you know, it's an old movie theater where they still have the squiggly carpet. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know. Oh, dude, I just saw The Whale when I was there. Oh, last. nice. How yeah. was it? Oh, fucking uh, one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'm, I'm still due to see it. So Holy shit. I cannot recommend that movie enough, and Brendan Fraser deserves an Oscar. Nice. He's, like, uh, hands down him. amazing. I'm happy for him. Encino Man. Encino Man, George of the Jungle, <laughs> The Mummy. Yes. The Mummy is great. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, right. I forgot. Two. Two. Wasn't no, that two? No, no, two. The Rock's in number two. Oh, I thought The Rock yeah, was in number one, but no. yeah, okay, that makes yeah, sense. The Rock's in number two. He was in Space Jam 2, though. Yeah, was he? Or Looney Tunes 2. Oh, yeah, back Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah. Yeah. That was like... It's uh, not a sequel. That's just the, the, the first one. Yeah, but yeah. it was like... You go to Paris. Came after Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, it did come after Space Jam. Yeah. But I don't think they're in sequence. But I think that, <laughs> I don't think they have anything to do with each other. I think they're in the same universe. Probably, yeah, because the Looney Tunes are involved. Yeah, I would say <laughs> they're in the grand scheme of the Looney Tune multiverse. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brendan Fraser and Michael Jordan are all in the same universe. That's which is almost like real life. <laughs> you know what? That's actually crazy because I hadn't thought about that before. So really, the Looney Tunes are in our universe. Yeah, because oh. LeBron James is in it too, dude, and Don Cheadle. Yeah, just down the golf hole. Every time I go when I go golfing and I sink a putt, which rarely happens, I'm like, oh, am I going to get sucked down? <laughs> and I never do. I'm glad that you haven't gotten sucked down yet. No. I what do it's... you think your thing would be if they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. What'd you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. If I got sucked down, what would happen to me? Um, I'd probably finish. If you... Uh... <laughs> Okay, 
if you got sucked down by the Looney Tunes, yeah. what do you think your thing would be that you would save the universe? Like, like obviously LeBron and Michael, it was basketball. Well, the way that Michael brought in Bill Murray, I would bring you in and we would do the podcast and I bring Sam too. Mm. Yeah. I like that. We could definitely do a better podcast than anybody in the Looney Tunes yeah. universe. Yeah, I bet like Elmer Fudd's got some good country recommendations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yosemite Sam's probably got some racist ones. But, <laughs> yeah, mm, Foghorn Leghorn. He's a little sexist. Let's just say. But yeah, I bring. I bring. We you can't in. have Pepe Le Pew on the podcast. No, we cannot have Pepe Le Pew on the podcast. Well, it's just because you don't like French people. That, well, it's partially because I don't like French people. Yeah. That's a big one, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That is, like, the honestly the number one bias yeah, against no, him I that I have. I, I know you. I know you well. Bugs Bunny would just be kind of an annoying prick, I think, yeah. if you listen to him talk for a long time. Yeah, enough. no, Daffy Duck, like, he would spit up our mics. Yeah, so, he would ruin the mics. We don't even clean these things, so imagine after he gets done. Yeah, no, I, I don't want him <laughs> I'm happy today. suffer and suck a tass all over the mic. I don't mic. think I have the crusty Dusty one. You might have the crusty Dusty one. I can't yeah, tell. Yeah, I do. Yeah, nice. I accidentally licked it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, because you get so close. I do. I'm keeping a healthy distance. Like, I'm, like you're like just all up in his. Business. I like to make Sam work mm. for the volume leveling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I come in and sometimes I step away, and then sometimes I talk quiet and then sometimes I talk loud. <laughs> I am consistently loud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he first stopped at his parents' welcome, home Sam. while they were out. He sat on their couch and felt claustrophobic and super empty. He returned to the road in search of silence and mm -hmm. hoping to be alone. His travels brought him to his father's hunting cabin, roughly an hour's drive northwest of his hometown of Eau Claire. Uh, when he first arrived, he did not intend to stay for long. He spent the first three weeks watching Northern Exposure mm -hmm. and drinking beer. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. I am not drinking beer today. Um, uh, he wanted to live, uh, on the cheap, buying time to decide what to do with his life next. And his dad would come every 10 days or so with beer, milk, eggs, cheese, and some other essentials in exchange for staying. Vernon was tasked to do chores for his dad, such as stacking lumber, cleaning brush, and stripping wood. After the first three weeks, he brought his instruments and recording equipment to the cabin and began tinkering with song ideas. He hunted for deer while there, killing two in his three months stay, even training, uh, trading some venison in exchange for fixing his guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, were those two kills legal? I don't know. What are the Wisconsin hunting laws with deer? I know, I know you're asking me because I'm really deep in this <laughs> ice fishing thing, like method-wise, <laughs> but I didn't study the laws. I thought for that this, this was a part of the Jon Snow sequel series. No. Hunting laws in Wisconsin. No, there's no hunting laws in the Game of Thrones universe. That's true. There's yeah. uh, like <laughs> literally murder, none. Murder of people is not illegal, <laughs> so I think shooting deer should be a problem. So, um, but yeah, and he also, this fun fact next is pretty pretty wild. Uh, during his stay, he had a run-in with a bear who broke into his cabin while he was making stew. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and that's all it said. It didn't give, like, any background how he got away from the bear or what, what happened with the bear. It just said, yeah, he had a run-in with a bear. It broke into what? his cabin while he was making stew. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. You know what I think is, is wild, too? Like, there's so many, like, I have not had a bear story, mm -hmm. really. Like, there was one time when I lived in Invermere where... Uh, we saw my dog and I were out hunting turkeys and I saw a, a bear in a field Nice. and then I ran home crying because I, I was like scared of the bear. Uh, but the bear did not come near me at mm. all. Like it was far away, but I was 10. So I freaked the fuck yeah, out. Right. Of course. Um, but the flip side of that, 
my dad and his brothers, when my grandpa was away at work one time, and they were young, like my dad was like eight, he's the middle child, mm-hmm. uh, they came home one night with my grandma, and there was a bear in their apple tree in the front <laughs> yard, That's so funny. my uncle Dan ran inside and got a gun, and he came out, and my dad was holding the flashlight at the bear, and my uncle Bruce was standing there behind him, and... Uh, my uncle shot the bear, and then they heard like what sounded like a fountain, like water trickling. Like it was just like, and then all of a sudden the bear fell out of the tree, just thump. They ran inside. They were fucking shitting themselves, right? Uh, it turns out they had shot the bear in the heart, and they're super lucky that it it actually killed it because if you shoot a bear in the heart, they can still live up until their heart stops. And if you're within a hundred meters of the bear, they can kill you still. Wow. So uh, my story with a bear compared to my father's story, <laughs> where he was younger than me, yeah, very different. Yeah, I'd say so. They probably he probably made a good rug out of that thing, dude. Yeah, they probably ate it too. Mm. They, they probably fucking ate it because uh, that's what you do with bear meat. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Some okay, so. Uh, I can't believe he had a run-in with a bear. Yeah. It's fucking insane. I, I don't like that there's nothing more about this. Yeah, I know. It bothered me, too. Can we come up with a story about what happened with him and the bear? Um, I think he sang it as sweet melodies, and the bear bear puttered off. He was like, oh, I need to go get the girl I once lost, and then puttered off into the woods. I wonder <laughs> if he sampled the bear. He broke. Mm. Mm. Maybe that's in Flume. Mm, no, well, thing about Flume, Flume was written before he got to the cabin, so mm. yeah, it doesn't work. I think he, the maybe sample, maybe he used it for one of his Kanye collabs. Mm, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, Monster. Mm. Mm. Ah, uh, the bear. Yeah, that's yeah. the bear. That yeah. that sound in the, the background. Bear, the bear actually wasn't a bear. It was just Rick Ross. He was really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> he was really hungry. Bitch, <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> He was really hungry. He's like, I'm fucking starving, and I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> Dude, I, I think that what happened with him and the bear, this is my thought, okay? Yeah. This is my theory. So the bear uh, knocked on the door uh, at first, but he was busy, you know, making stew, and he had his headphones in. Yeah. And then the bear opened the door because the bear was like, hey, can you help? My family's mm-hmm. broke down. You know, we, uh, we need to call someone. Mm. So the bear opened the door, but he speaks bear. So Justin couldn't understand him. So the bear was like, Mm. and Justin was like, what the fuck? And then he, I think, threw the pot of stew at the bear. I have a theory now. I think the bear was Yogi Bear. And he came and was like, those deers, do you have proper permits, those deers you shot? <laughs> and he wrote him a fine, and Justin got a fine, dude. And that's what he sings about in Skitty Love. He's like, I'm, I have, a, I got all the tickets, and you're holding all the fines. Ah! So there you go. There you go. You got a fine for not, uh, not doing the, the white-tailed deer properly. And then he had to pay that ticket to TJ Miller. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> to help him pay off some of his other. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> If you have a bottle, don't give it to TJ. <laughs> <laughs> at least not with your pants down. No, um, definitely not. <laughs> okay, so he would wake up each morning at sunrise due to the light reflecting in from the snow. I would work for 14 hours a day and start to feel a little insane, he later commented. The work was labor-intensive as he often merged over a minimum of eight tracks of vocals on each song. According to Vernon, days were hazy and began to run together for him. After three months, he emerged with nine songs, but did not feel renewed uh, from his creative catharsis. It's sort of odd to look back and see it as magical, because it felt like a lonely few months at the cabin, 
where I plugged in the laptop and fucked around. Mm-hmm. So before returning to North Carolina, he brought he bought a bottle of whiskey and met up with a few friends to add some brass to the track for For Emma. Uh, that song, uh, the brass, is fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, do you know the local band? Uh, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on them. Fuck, they're my friends. I can't. I am the mountain. Yeah, I've heard about yeah. the mountain. Yeah, dude, uh, the brass that Thanks, they Siobhan. do is very. Yeah, thank you, Siobhan. <laughs> We've both been friends with uh, Colton O'Reilly for like eight years, so it's really bad that I didn't remember yeah, him. Yeah, that is bad. I've, I, Shame. I've worked with him several times. First, you want to open for Bill Cosby, and then you forget about your friends. Okay, uh, I didn't say I want to guy, open this, for this Bill this Cosby. This guy's getting too too big too big for himself. Nowadays. Listen, I didn't say uh, I wanted to open for him. I said if I could open for him, I'd call him a rapist. I think that that's, <laughs> that's different than <laughs> wanting to open for him. And that clip would go viral, which would help our podcast. I'm thinking of you, you selfish fuck. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I felt thought of. Mm. <laughs> you felt thought of when I was talking about Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah I really did. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck! Okay, so uh, yeah, I am the mountain. Their their brass reminds me a lot of of that song mm. specifically. Um, okay, so uh, he viewed the songs he wrote at the cabin as potentially demos that he would later re-record. But Ivan Howard of the Rosebuds convinced him to leave it as is, commenting, This is your record. He consulted friends to listen first before deciding to self-release it. He mixed his recordings himself, hoping to send them out to labels who would then give him advice to record a real album. Uh, What I think is funny about that is, can you imagine your friend coming in and playing you that record and being like, I wrote this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'd be like, damn, dude. Okay, this is really good. And then Mm -hmm. he's like... Yeah, but I think that I need to re-record it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that it sounds great. Yeah, no. It's terrible. It sounds awful. I don't want this out there. And you're just like, no, dude, this is good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that'd be a pretty jarring experience, I'd say. Dude, that would be insane. I would feel, like, grossly untalented, especially because the other guy's a musician. <gasps> oh, and, my God. And Vernon was actually touring with them, um, the Rosebuds, at the time. So he came back to rally um, with this album already made and uh he toured with them for six months playing guitar wow so he was just like a guitarist in like a small town band like a small time band and then he played it for the singer and the singer was like holy shit dude like, damn dude so he's really? like the christopher cross of his generation yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't play in deep purple <laughs> <laughs> okay so well at the cabin vernon had written to kelly crisp of the rosebuds concluding in his letter uh concluding his letter with bon Iver, a misspelling of bon Iver, which is french for well he, he did back so he's he spelled Bon Iver, which is a misspelling of Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. B B O N I V E R instead of B O N H I V E R. Bon Iver. Yeah, yeah. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. But they're both they're both sound the same. Bon Iver. But Bon 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 Iver, like the artist, is spelled like Bon Iver. But French is Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> say mediocrity again. <laughs> Meteorosyncrasies. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. Throwback. Say fucking quintessential. Quintessential. <laughs> Quintessentially. 
we're both we're both really proving our university dropout experience with words here. I've written a paper. I have too. It got a zero. Nice. Uh, I think I might be the only person that I know that has gotten a zero on a university essay. Yeah, I never got a zero. Um, yeah. So uh, it's or- <laughs> it is pretty impressive. Uh, its origins lie in an episode of Northern Exposure, wherein two characters greet one another. Uh, Crisp encouraged him to name the project Bon Iver. Uh, well on tour with the Rosebuds, he asked to play a small solo set, his first prior to a performance at that year's South by Southwest. Uh, encouraged, more performances followed in New York and in Wisconsin. Uh, and For Emma Forever Ago was self-distributed on MySpace in June of 2007 and gradually became an independent hit throughout the year, earning him a record deal with Jag Jaguar Records. Yep. Uh, now, okay, what's crazy about that is that it was out and was getting popular before it was making mm-hmm. money. And he originally he printed like he did a they did a release party when he self released it in um, Wisconsin in Eau Claire and he made five hundred copies. He kept a hundred to send to record labels, um, and then gave four hundred out to people and um, and it just blew up, blew up on MySpace, blew up. On the internet, damn. On the interwebs, on the on the interwebs, mm-hmm. and there was a, there was a little bit of a, a bidding war for him to sign a sign a contract with somebody, and he ended up picking uh, Jag Jaguar because they're small town, they're from the Midwest, um, they're an independent record label, um, and he met with the owner and he said they matched a lot of values and they got along really well, so he still makes records with them, and that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So he stuck with them, and he made they released this record and. February of 2008, and he got even bigger. So. Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so about the artist. About Vernon himself. About Justin DeArmond Edison Vernon. Uh, he was born April 30th, 1981 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where he still lives to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got big and then uh, you know the, has resided there ever since, which I think is really cool. I like when people do that. Um Known for his distinct falsetto voice and his incredible producing ability, he's also a member of the band's uh, Volcano Choir, Big Red Machine, The Shouting Matches, and uh, Gangs. Now, what's really funny is that Big Red Machine, Mm -hmm. uh, I was listening to just like my Spotify for you. And that uh, came up, and I was like, wow, this guy sounds exactly like Bon Iver. Yeah, I, I, I actually really like their stuff. It's Aaron Dresler from The National. He's the guitarist in The National. He's one of the twins in The National, and they, they've they worked together. They worked together on Taylor Swift stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they made a they made Big Red Machine. It's actually named after the like Cincinnati Reds in the 70s. They were oh, called The Big sick. Red Machine because they were winning lots of World Series. Um, but, yeah, they, they make good music together too. Um, I think they're – I think it's – 2017 or 2018 album slaps pretty hard. I forget the name of it, but yeah, it's yeah. very, very good. I think yeah. that was the one that I, I uh, ended up saving I Won't Spotify. Run From It is a really good song on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And Evergreen, I think. Evergreen is a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, so he attended Memorial High School in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where, uh, and then he formed his first band, Mount Vernon, in 1997 after meeting its members at a high school Wisconsin jazz camp. He graduated from Memorial High in uh, 99 and attended college at the University of Wisconsin, spending a semester in Ireland. Uh, He had majored in religious studies and minored in women's studies. In an interview with the Colbert Report, he said that he was not ready to study music at that time. Now, what I think is really interesting about that is, like, if you listen to his songs, 
uh, it does make sense that those were two things that he was passionate about before. Yeah. Because his songs have an almost religious element to them. Especially his newer stuff. I mean, 22 A Million's cover has a lot of, like, symbols on it, and some of them are religious symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, he certainly does talk... Well, he talks about God on that album, too, so... Yeah. It makes sense why he has that background, which is something I didn't know about him. Yeah. yeah. And and it also makes sense, like, uh, like because I think that... Uh, around that era there was a lot of uh you know especially in popular music there was a lot of like bro dude fucking yeah. like how they talk about women and like i think par- probably one of the reasons that for emma was uh so well received was because there's nothing that's like uh like shitty about it yeah well when i was in saw him in toronto he was raising money for the women's shelter in toronto mm. uh at a show so yeah he seems to be very politically active especially around those sort of causes so he kind of kept i guess a little bit of that up to this day that was i mean that was 2019 i saw him yeah 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 so he was raising money during the show and he talked about it a bunch of times i think it's the yellow bird project mm. i trying to remember the name of it but yeah that's really cool mm-hmm. okay so uh he formed uh, DeArmond Edison in 2001 while still in college, and the group saw varying lineup changes during its five years. After playing in the Eau Claire music scene, the band, uh, the four bandmates decided to leave their longtime home and move to Raleigh, North Carolina. Why? Uh, to try their <laughs> musical hand in a new place. Uh, the band released two records themselves, the first self-titled in 2004 and the second Silent Signs in 2005 and an EP of unreleased material is available on their MySpace page. After nearly a year in Raleigh, he left and uh, came back to uh, Wisconsin. We've talked about all of this, so that's kind of just summarized up. Um, Now, uh, Bon Iver, uh, after he formed uh, as Bon Iver, uh, won Best New Artist and Best Alternative Album at the 2012 Grammys for their 2011 self-titled album. During the creation of Kanye West's 2010 album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, he was invited to collaborate on various songs, providing vocals on Dark Fantasy, Monster, Hell of a Life, and Lost in the World, uh, as well as the song That's My Bitch from West and Jay-Z's collaborative album Watch the Throne in 2011. Mm -hmm. He was involved in West's 2013 album Yeezus, contributing to I Am God, Hold My Liquor, and I'm In It. Now, it's crazy because, like, Around that time, I obviously did not know anything about Bon Iver because yeah. I was in a uh, small town high school, but I knew who he was because of uh, because of his work on My Beautiful Dark well, Twisted Fantasy. Well, it's pretty prolific feature. Like he's all over the album mm-hmm. um, on some of the biggest tracks too. Uh, I would I mean, almost say that's a that album is like basically Kanye West featuring Bon Iver. Yeah, well, I mean, Lost in, Lost in the World is, like, a good chunk of it is Bon Iver. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, it's pretty impressive. And then, I mean, he becomes, like, a very good producer mm-hmm. as well after working with Kanye, so... Um, Which you can definitely tell, like, in his later work where the in- influence and, like, knowledge he would get from Kanye West comes into play. Well, he said, too, that him, him and Kanye would disagree, which is, I don't think a lot of people want to disagree with Kanye West, but they would disagree on musical well, choices. Well, nowadays, I think they do. Yeah, well, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but at the time, when it came to music, not a lot of people were disagreeing with Kanye because he was on the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, what Kanye said 
went, went. But Kanye would listen to, to Justin Vernon and he put some trust in him to, you know, help him make his best album. Which so. is pretty fucking crazy considering at the time he was genu generally unknown. Yeah, he had one real release on his own. Yeah. And he was yeah, and he was playing in like a bunch of different bands before that. So yeah. it's pretty incredible that he ended up linking up with Kanye and helping him with that album. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so on September 25th, 2012, good day, uh, Vernon walked away from Bon Iver temporarily, uh, virtually putting an end to the band for the time being. When asked for the reasoning, he replied, I'm winding it down. I look at it like a faucet. I have to turn it off and walk away from it because so much of how that music comes together is subconscious or discovering. There's so much attention on the band, it can be distracting at times. I really feel the need to walk away from it while, it, I can, while I still care about it, and then if I come back to it, I'll feel better about it and have a renewed sense of self. Now, that's pretty interesting to do that at like the peak of yeah. uh, you know when everything's popular. Like two albums in. But on June 30th, 2014, the band released a new song titled Heavenly Father, which was featured on the soundtrack of Zach Braff's film Wish I Was Here. On November 18th, 2015, the band announced a tour of Asia starting in early 2016. And then 22 A Million was released on September 30th of 2016 mm -hmm. and noted by many as a large stylistic shift for the band. One aspect of the shift included a drastic change in instru instrumentation on uh, 22 Million and subsequent releases. Uh he often collaborated with a group of saxophonists knows, known as Sad Sacks of Shit. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> nice, fucking band. Nice. Uh, in Pitchfork's review of the album, the publication likened it to Radiohead's uh, Kid, saying uh, Bon Iver's first album in five years takes an unexpected turn towards the strange and, un and experimental, but behind the arranged glitches and processed voices, it is deeply felt songs about uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And he, he also began sampling quite a bit in that time as well, kind of bringing in elements of hip-hop production to, like, Folktronica. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a really good listen. Um, I think that one's kind of a, like, grow-on-you type album. Mm -hmm. um, because it was a big shift from obviously what he was doing before. He played around with auto tune and things like that and vocal layering. But I mean, he was also in this album. He's layering instruments, he's using a vocal corder to layer saxophones. Um, so when I saw him live, it was really interesting because he used the vocal corder as the instrument he used. But there was one guy playing a saxophone, and it sounded like twenty different fucking saxophones. Really? Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, that uh, is it was fucking pretty crazy. nuts. And that that was um, that that instrument specifically he was using that piece of tech was invented by um, the lead singer of Francis and the Lights. Um, oh. I forget his name. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it's Francis. But <laughs> Francis and the Lights is another great... Yeah, so he, oh he uses that on his voice, but Vernon decided to use it on instruments. So it's very interesting. It's a live tool for s splitting the sound into different pitches, mm -hmm. and he used it on a saxophone. It was pretty fucking cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So taking that style, though, they released then I.I. Mm -hmm. on August 30th of 2019. They released uh, two songs leading up to it, uh, Hey Ma, which I fucking love that oh, really? song. It's a good music video, too. Really good music Nostalgic. video. Uh, and the new song, You uh, Man Like, uh, which features guest vocals from Moses Summy, Bruce Hornsby, Elisa Jensen, Jen Washner, and the Brooklyn Youth Choir. Mm. Uh I was struggling there because there was a lot of Jens and Jensen's <laughs> in that quick succession. It's a mouthful. Um, 
Now, later, excuse me. Ooh, that was tasty. You got some serious hiccups right now. Dude, I don't know what it is. They're hiccups, Mm -hmm. too. Um, Later in 2020, he collaborated with Taylor Swift to write and feature uh, on the song Exile Mm -hmm. and with an instrumental credit on Peace for her eighth studio album, Folklore. And then when she released her ninth studio album, Evermore, uh, which was a surprise follow-up, he co-wrote the title track and played instruments on a shit ton of the songs yeah. on that and provided background vocals. Uh, I think that he's the best part of both of those albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, really, it comes full circle with, like, his trajectory and our trajectory, where at first he was into Kanye, mm-hmm. and now he's a Swifty. <laughs> he switched teams. He switched, he switched teams, teams, just like yeah. us. So I, I, we got another parallel with... Uh, I think I've seen this film before. But I couldn't watch the ending. Like the ending. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, had a little deja vu. That was yeah, yeah. that was great. That's what we did. We went from Westies to Swifties. We went from Westies to Swifties. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, I think this episode is going to slap my titties. Oh, that's <laughs> that's from when we were we were uh, dueling in the Google Doc. We I was like, Google this episode's Doc. gonna slap, and Spencer put it in my titties. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so notable track list and singles uh flume yes skinny love which was certified platinum in the u.s number 32 in denmark Mm -hmm. number 18 in portugal 88 on the uk digital streaming chart 100 but the cover by uk musician birdie charted around the world notably number 37 in the adult top 40 and 24 on the hot rock and she was like 16 when she did that yeah she was very young when that came out and and honestly it's amazing because it's it's uh it's one of those songs where it sounds just as good as the original, but yeah. taken very differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like very different. Uh, like for instance, uh, uh, we're gonna do an episode on this later. But uh, uh, hurt and uh, the Johnny Cash and Trent yeah, Reznor nine inch nails versions. Yeah. It's like yeah. uh, very different meanings. Same behind. song, but Same they, they repurpose it to a different. Yeah, they take the lyrics and make it their own and make it you know their their story and it yeah. changes meaning by who's singing it and how it's arranged and beautifully done. Yeah. Both yeah. are, both are really nice. Both are really nice. Uh, okay. So, uh, okay. It is said to be written about, uh, Christy Smith, but Justin clarifies this saying it's not entirely accurate. It's about that time in a relationship that I was going through. You're in a relationship because you need help, but it's not necessarily why you should be in a relationship. And that's skinny. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's he's kind of got this thing where he's like, well, the song is a little bit about them, but not really. It's like a big metaphor. It's he's like, got the Prince thing where he doesn't really want to give you a definitive yeah, answer. It's like, eh, it could be, but not entirely. There's like, you know, other aspects that are Can involved. you imagine how fucking annoying that would be if I did that with my jokes? It's like, eh, it could be about you, but it's not. But I mean, I did say your name. Uh, <laughs> you know, really, if you think about it, it's more than it's about like Spencer, that. was that joke about Bill Cosby? Well, um, it could have been, but not entirely. Not entirely. It's actually more of a metaphor yeah. for how we as a society yeah. perceive things. Yeah, exactly. It's not actually specifically about any one person. Yeah. It's more of actually a, a thought process that we I all mean, go through. I did say Bill, but like Bill could also be William. It could be uh, William. Yeah. It could be a dollar, you know, yeah, like a dollar, a dollar bill, bill. Yeah. Which as a society we're wrapped up <laughs> yeah. into the idea of money, uh, so yeah. that also would work. 
You've already game planned when you start backtracking in the future. <laughs> there you go. We've already planned it out. We've already written the script. You see, we collaborated on another script. There yeah, you we go. did. There you go. <laughs> How lovely is that? Okay, lump sum. Yes. Another great one. Good track. Wolves Act 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Fucking amazing. Good songs. For Emma, I, I wrote a whole... Uh, I, I ended up deleting it, but I wrote a whole movie based around uh, that song. Oh, that's Like, cool. an inspiration that it gave me. Would you just need, like, the hard drive space? Or? Uh, yeah, I just needed the hard <laughs> yeah. drive space. And I was okay, like, gotcha, yeah, I, I'll remember this, and yeah. I've forgotten most of it. I'll remember it word for word. Yeah. Really shouldn't have fucking done that, yeah. but <laughs> it's funny because now that now when people are like, "Oh, do you have any scripts?" I'm like, "Yeah, totally," and I'm like, "I fucking have <laughs> deleted one. them." All, I yeah. remember a lot of them. I only have one. Uh, and then Ari Stacks was about his gambling problem, which yeah, we talked about know. earlier. Now let's get into the reception of this badass uh, motherfucker. Uh, it nice. scored an 88 on review aggregate site Metacritic based mm. on 27 critics. Pitchfork gave it 8.1 out of 10, Rolling Stone 3.5 out of 5 stars, and the AV Club an A-. In its first week, it sold 4,000 copies, which helped it debut at number 182 on Billboard, and it eventually picked its, peaked at 64. Mm-hmm. It debuted on number 42 on the UK Albums Chart, and it was later certified gold. Um... And it has been a top-selling album on vi- uh, vinyl for many years now, uh, because at that point, that was right during the vinyl resurgence, yeah. and it really fit the vibe of what a lot of the artists who were releasing on vinyl mm-hmm. were doing, um, and it sold 102,000 copies on vinyl. That's pretty nutty. In the first half of the 2010s. We have one. We have one. So there's 101... Nine 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 thousand others of nice. I fucked that up. Uh, Good man. Its its overall sales were estimated last at three hundred and thirty five thousand copies for the vinyl. Just just that. Um, In June two thousand eleven. Uh, the album was certified gold by the Recording Association of America for shipments of five hundred thousand copies, and later was platinum in twenty seventeen for over a million units. It's number four sixty one on the Rolling Stones five hundred greatest albums of all time. Which is which is strange because they gave it a three point five out of five. You think they, you think they would give it higher? Like you said, the Rolling Stone gave them a three and a half. Yeah, I think they would give it higher after putting it on their top F- top five hundred. And and also like I like I personally like I love it as an album, but it's it doesn't have my favorite Bon Iver songs. On no, it, you know, like no. I think that there's there's other songs that I I like better that yeah. are on this album. Um, it's Yeah, it is weird that they would give it a 3.5 out of 5. And then put it on their top 500. Yeah, because I, I think most of, But, mind you, their top 500 list also has some fucking weird ones. Yeah, too, well, go, all their lists kind of have weird ones. They, Rolling, Rolling Stone isn't really the, the pinnacle. Yeah. Of nuanced opinions. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, not quite clear. No. Not quite crisp. No. Okay. What did the one guy say about the Rolling Stones from CKY? Oh no, that was uh, that was the Rolling the, Stone. The the, uh, the the girl was like, uh, she said that uh, a listener might want to commit suicide to drown out the sounds <laughs> yeah. of this album. There's the nuanced opinion from the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. Which which again, <laughs> it's funny because it's like that. I feel like. Uh, you know, we talk about critics a lot and we may, well, I do. I, I shit yeah. on critics a lot, <laughs> but I think that we are able to look at things a little bit more objectively mm. uh, than uh, the Rolling Stone reviewers have been able to. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that because sometimes you spit a number. I'm like, yeah, I feel like mm, that's but good enough. But it's our combined score. <laughs> yeah, it's our it's combined true. score. Well, yeah, it's true. It's it, true. It's the aggregate. That's true. That's uh, true. We, we got two people, and these critics are fucking one person. They it's suck. true. It's true. We do not suck. <laughs> the Rolling Stone is one person. <laughs> it is one stone. They roll it down a hill, and it hits a one number. rock. He's one rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so about the culture at the time. Folk makes a revival with singer-songwriters such as Iron and Wine, uh, Sophie Sof- and Stevens, Sophie and Stevens, yeah. Elliot Smith, City and Keller, Fleet Foxes. Uh, it's making a rise at the time because pop, uh, country is becoming more pop at yeah. this moment. So there's a need for that singer-songwriter sound. Uh, bands are getting uh, online popular before scoring record deals. This is like the early part of YouTube. Yeah. MySpace is like MySpace is at its peak at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2007 was also the rise of the indie sound that incorporated uh, folk music and electronic elements. Like mm-hmm. Bibio uh, started to get popular around this time, and you have in uh, this is what I thought was really interesting is. You have this West Coast Seattle pop punk sound and this East Coast Brooklyn like hipster band sound yeah. that are having a huge influence on like mainstream artists mm-hmm. and, and giving them a lot of inspiration. So it's the rise of that indie alt rock thing. Yeah. And that's when you start seeing a lot of these indie radio stations pop up like fucking X929 popped X-92, up around yeah. around 2007. Um uh yeah, so then vinyl also starts making a comeback. We talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. but it starts making a comeback because of artists in both of those uh areas. Um specifically with the West Coast side, like the Seattle Sound, yeah. Sub Pop Records was having a resurgence and they had dipped out of basically existence. But then mm. Seattle had a new sound come out and it was this like, you know, alt pop punk weird sort of thing that you know started end up developing into what we are you know currently still hearing on the radio um but sub pop jumped on signing a bunch of these artists and then started pumping out started pumping it out and so then they were like all right let's do a vinyl and the vinyls would sell out like crazy Mm -hmm. um so then bigger labels saw that and decided let's also pump out a vinyl um so the iPhone is also announced, and Android interface is released, beginning the smartphone era. Mm-hmm. I, I threw in a bunch of random 2007 things here, I, just for just for fun. But you know what? I that one's super applicable because that like iTunes. I mean, like this is the i yep. iPod era. Yep. And uh, like it's realistically the first time that you can walk around with your record collection in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone did. I remember having a fucking iPod Nano. Oh, yeah. IPod, iPods were big. I mean, from like the early 2000s on. Yeah. There were all the different versions. I literally had the version that had no screen. It was a USB stick. Yeah, I and had that was, one too. The iPod like, Shuffle. It was, like, it was like, oh, what's on, what's on next? This is a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate Four it. gigabytes. Let's go. Oh, my God. And it's amazing too because I remember being like, I can fit 100 songs on here. That's crazy. <laughs> um, all right. George Bush presidency is coming to a close. Mm-hmm. Obama. Uh, Martin Scorsese finally wins uh, the Oscar for Best Directed for The Departed. Yeah, Best Director. He finally gets one. Britney Spears shaves her head. Yeah, she sure does. Yep. Uh, Prince sings Purple Rain in the rain at the Super Bowl. And The Sopranos ended. Yep. I saw the finale live, baby. Yeah, and you're like, fuck, did my power go out? I, we literally <laughs> yeah. thought that. We were literally, because we lived on a fucking ranch in the middle of nowhere. We were like... <laughs> 
what the fuck just happened? Is the satellite broken? <laughs> like it was uh, that that fuck that ending. Um, okay, so well, yeah, now, I threw in a little fun facts for you. Yeah, so fun fact number one: after a 2015 Glastonbury performance oh, where yes. Vernon sang background for Kanye, Ye was quoted as saying, "Vernon is." One of the baddest white boys on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Which now... Takes, Not as bad as Hitler. Which now, which now takes a bit of a different context, as you were just pointing out. But yeah, yeah Vernon was at one point to Kanye West, one of the baddest white boys on the planet. Which is so, pretty cool. Which is cool. I thought it was a nice quote. Um, um, now we get into the criticisms. Yes. This, uh, is a, this is one that we both kind of talked about. But yeah. I've listened to this album for a long time, and like Sarah doesn't listen to this style of music. So we were driving, and she was, I was playing it, and we were listening to it, and she was like... I was like, yeah, what do you think about it? She's like, yeah, like, it sounds nice, but I can't make out any of the words he's saying. Yeah. Um, which is, like, as someone who's listened to it a long time, it's like, you kind of get the words. Like, I've looked at the lyrics enough where I can make them out. But she's right. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there was there was lyrics that I was looking up, uh, like, because I was watching it, uh, you know, on, like, Music Genius yeah. as I'm, like, listening to it uh, the other day. And I was like... Yeah, fuck, like, I, I, I misheard a lot of these lyrics, yeah. but I still got the meaning of the song, you yeah. know? Like, I just, I just fucking, it, it, that's why I but, said, like, it kind of didn't matter at a certain point. Yeah, and also, like, some of the lyrics don't really make that much sense. No, but again, is, it, it, I think that part of it's because he made it, the instrument being yeah, the focus, yeah. and then was just kind of like, which is, which is kind of a theme through, orange. like, a, besides Bonnie Iver, Bonnie Iver, where the, a lot of the lyrics actually do make sense, but, like, two, 22 a million, they're kind of sporadic and all over the place. Yeah. Same with I.I., it's yeah. kind of the same thing, and Blood Bank, there's a couple in Blood Bank that make sense, but he's not really, like, you're not really listening for the lyrics itself, even though some of them are deep and beautiful. Yeah. There's certainly some lyrics that stand out for him, but, yeah, it's more of the sound itself how they sound when he sings the words yeah not about the words itself and and it would be amazing to see him uh sing anything honestly i mm -hmm. would hand him the phone book and yeah. be very interested <laughs> but you're like you need a number and you're like oh fuck what was that you're like hey, justin can you find me the number for the fucking <laughs> 403 <laughs> Buddies are going hype about it. <laughs> All right, shall we review this yeah, sucker and call her a day? Yeah, so uh, every episode we review it on uh, six points. Technical element, musical element, lyrics, reception, album art, does it hold up? Uh, technical element, although it's impressive that he did everything himself mm -hmm. and he layered everything himself and, and uh, uh, apart from the brass, I, I think that uh, it does give it a distinct sound, and it sounds good. But I would probably say like six and a half to a seven somewhere in there. See, I was yeah, I was coming in around a seven on it, maybe a seven and a half, mm -hmm. um, just because he did it on like old tech, yeah, and he did it all himself, and he found creative ways to, to work around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes. I think I go, I'll go seven and a half. If you you give your score, and you can... uh, yeah, I'll give a I'll give a six point five, and then we're at a seven. That works. Um, musical element. Uh, it is, again, super impressive that he's doing everything mm -hmm. himself. Uh, mm -hmm. Musically, it's and, – and this is where it's kind of interesting because it's not necessarily complicated music, 
but the layering and the fact that he layers it yeah. live and everything makes it more complicated. Uh, also, his falsetto is amazing. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, I have to go a little bit higher on it. Like, I would probably say a 7.5 on this one. Yeah, I, I'll go 8. We'll do a 7.75 on it. Um, yeah, I'll go 8 on it. And yeah. there's literally only three other people that had their hands on their albums. Two guys played the trumpet, and then uh, Christy Smith played the drums on, mm -hmm. um, on Flume. And that was, like, when they were in Rally, and that's it. Yeah. So it's all him, and I mean, which is pretty impressive. That is super yeah. impressive. So right now sitting at a 7.5, mm -hmm. which is good. Uh, lyrics, this is where we kind of, like, the lyrics, it's weird. Because on this album, like we've talked about already, they don't matter as much as the, the uh, emotion that is invoked by the instruments on this yeah. album. But lyrically, it's kind of like, somebody in grade nine trying to write a haiku mm. and and fucking it up at some points and see i i can kind of relate because like some of it is like oh i get what he's saying i get some, what he's saying sometimes i'm like uh, i don't really understand what he's getting at it's like, eh. it's like that doesn't really fit you know the theme but he's like you know we were talking about it he was trying to take inspiration from bruce Spring bruce springsteen which was you know we talked about not being laced in metaphor but everything he sings is a fucking metaphor mm -hmm. it, justin vernon everything he sings is a fucking metaphor so I, i'd be down to go a little lower on this personally i'd give it like a like a six yeah um like i mean there's certain couple songs that certainly hit lyric wise but it's more about the sound of it than anything so yeah I, I, i'll go a six on it i'd, I'd go a, a six and a half and then that averages us at a seven right mm -hmm. now uh, reception highly received yeah. well. I I mean it's a it's a nine like uh, well it's an eight point eight or an eighty eight on Metacritic so I would go a nine. Yeah, I, we, I think we need to bump the score more yeah. than a seven. So I I'm gonna yeah. I'm so gonna we're give at it a, a nine. We're at a, a, a seven point seven five now. Album art I would give it uh, honestly I'd probably give it like a uh, like nine. Like I really do like the album art. Mm -hmm. I think that it's interesting because like. It just looks like you're looking through a frosted window. It kind of sets the tone for it. Yeah. Um, I certainly think he has better album album covers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll go an 8 on it. Okay, so yeah. we're right now we're at an 8.25. Uh, does it hold up? I'd say yes. Absolutely. So 8.25 out of, out of 10? I think that's a very good that's score. That's a very yeah. good score. All right. Well. Thank you for listening to Misfits yeah, on Vinyl. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. Yeah. It was fun because we both really love the album, which like it, like it was it was hard to not enjoy doing the research on yeah. and re-listening to it because like I haven't actually actively listened to the album. It's been a while since I've listened to it. I mean, even his music in general, I've kind of haven't listened to it as much lately as I was at one point in time. Mm -hmm. It was kind of nice to revisit his stuff, and I started listening to some of his other stuff again. Yeah, as well. So it was a nice little, nice little trip this week. It's nice being back with the fellas. Nice, nice. I, it I, honestly I, is. It's yeah. Uh, I missed you guys. It I, uh, I missed this. Yeah, it was a it was a, an extended vacation that felt too long without you guys. I missed this. The misfits. Mm. Yeah. Christmas All right. Coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for listening. Guys, thank uh, you. Have a good one and uh, anal contusions. Lahayam. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's misfitsonvinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.